Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Hey, uh, three reasons why you should join me and Vanessa's book club that starts in two weeks. Three June reasons. 6th. June 6th? Yes, June 6th. June 6th. 1 p.m. PST. 1 PM. Everybody's PST. asking these questions because you keep posting about it, but don't give them details. <laughs> I don't like giving people details, you know? It's not detail-oriented, guys. Um, that's me. <laughs> life shouldn't be handed to you on a platter like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, you, work for it. You work for it. Find shit. That's Dig how around. you grow. Look at links. Poke around, yeah. Um, three reasons why you should join me and Vanessa's book club that is starting on June 6th. I will start. Number one reason is, uh, you know, with, um, the pandemic and all the shit that's happening in the world, uh, it's a great chance. It's a great chance to, um, connect to people, especially, uh, just as adults, it's hard to make friends. So okay. in this community, because it's live on zoom, uh, we're going to hang out, shoot the shit. You know, it's not going to be like this where you're just seeing names scroll up. We're going to see faces and it'll be in real time. So that's number one. You do number two. Number two is something that our publisher is doing for the first time ever in their history and that their legal team is not super stoked on, which is you get a free digital, like downloadable version of the book months before it actually hits stands. Free. I think I said free, but free. <laughs> yeah. So you will get the book uh, right behind me. The book. It's called It's Not Me, It's You. I shouldn't say right behind me because the... No, um it's on purpose. No, well, it's not that. It's just this is also going to be a podcast episode, so... Oh, yeah. so if you're listening to this, mm -hmm. what he's talking about is the book poster that's behind us on our wall. Uh, so you'll get the ebook before it comes out. And then the third reason why you should jump into our um, book club and... If it's already started when you get this message, it's okay. It's open. It's so, rolling. Yeah, it's not going to be closed. Um, and th the third reason is this. Uh, well, I mean, you get to do a book club with us live. And I mean, I'm not like, you know, we're pretty awesome. So you get to hang out with us. And we're going to work through each of the individual chapters, like really in depth. And I just think that it's going to be a great place to be able to take away some tools to work with in your own relationships and probably learn something about yourself that you didn't know and how you show up and relate and just to relationship better. Yeah. So click my bio after watching this or listening to uh, this episode and uh, bio and Instagram bio on Instagram and then um, jump in. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. Okay. So the topic today is you do have to pre-order the book to jump in. I think that's a yes. confusion point that a yes. lot of people have had. In order to give you access into the book club, you have to pre-order the book. So the bio link, this is a lot of the confusion questions that I'm getting. The bio link in John's and in mine um, will take you to the form that you have to put your information in because our publisher is going to reach out to you to give you the private Zoom link, but you got to order the book. So there's that. Uh, the topic today is... Overfunctioning and underfunctioning. Overfunctioning and underfunctioning in relationships. So, can you explain that? What is overfunctioning and what is underfunctioning? And by the way, all these topics we do Monday uh, is they're all things in the book. From the book. Yep. So, overfunctioning and underfunctioning. What is that, and how do they impact relationships? 
So overfunctioning and underfunctioning are both ways that we respond to anxiety. So different people respond to anxiety in different ways. Uh, some people respond to it by kind of going into do mode, right? Like right. Um, I'm going to fix, I'm going to do, I'm going to organize, I'm going to be like the calm in the storm, I'm going to manage, I'm going to you know micromanage, probably more accurate. Um, and that helps kind of soothe their anxiety, mm -hmm. right? And then under-functioning, obviously, is the opposite. So whenever there's stress or anxiety, um, and this doesn't have to be like acute, I mean, this can just be maybe underlying anxiety in a relationship, they fall into the category of under-functioning, meaning they withdraw, meaning they don't step up, meaning they actually, you know, kind of step down. They let others take care of them. Um, and they, they have actually a deep-seated belief that they actually can't do it. Uh, and so it's easier for them to fall into that because, because of that deep seated belief. Do over functioners and under functioners, um, are they attracted to the, each other? I mean, do they like a jigsaw puzzle? Do they, you know, fit together? Fit together. I think like any of these, like what seem as like opposing, I guess, personality structures, they're almost always attracted to each other, right? It's the Cause, cause if you have two over functioners, it's like the, the magnets yeah. flip, right? Well, it's the same as like attachment styles. Mm -hmm. It's the same, you know, there's so many of these, like I said, quote unquote, opposing um, personality styles that I think it's yin to yang, right? And and it's this idea of opposites attract, but I, I think it goes so much deeper than that. When I look at why opposites attract, regardless of what that opposite is, it's because our psyche is constantly looking for a mirror and an ability to see ourselves more clearly and grow. And these people who have these opposing styles to us, again, whether it's attachment, whether it's how we look at anxiety, whatever, um, they are an excellent opportunity to see ourselves in a mirror. The problem is that most of us just get so irritated by the opposite that we don't lean into the opportunity to grow. So in our relationship, I know that you're the over-functioner. Yes, so I guess I, I guess by default that makes me the underfunctioner. Yes, it does. Uh, and by the way, I want to point out uh, <laughs> there's a there's a you know a spectrum, right? So um, I, I definitely was more underfunctioning, you know, in my 20s, early 30s. Uh, today, as I swim toward 50, I'm, I'm I, I feel like I'm a, I'm less underfunctioning. I don't even know if I deserve that 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 label. But if you were to label me in this relationship. I'm the under, she's the over. Well, right, and I mean, I think all of this stuff can be looked at, this idea of like, even attachment styles, right? Like, in the last year or so, I've actually really changed the way that I talk about myself and my attachment style. I no longer say, I'm an avoidant attachment, or I have an avoidant attachment. The way that I say it now is like, I tend to lean more avoidant mm -hmm. when I'm stressed out or I'm anxious. So I tend to lean more into the over-functioning realm when I'm more anxious, right? It's not black and white. These are not boxes that we fit into because also certain like different relationships trigger different responses in us. So like I might over function way more in some relationships than I do in others. Like, right, like with my brother and sister, for example, who are much younger than me, I think you're, I you're tend, like the mom. Right. I tend to go way far role. into the over functioning. Yeah. I've done a lot of work around my my romantic relationships, especially the one with you. And I think I've gotten better with my overfunctioning too. So I just want to say that because I think that we, in this kind of pop psychology landscape that we've got, we want black and white, we want boxes, we want labels, and that's not always helpful. So how does this show up? How does underfunctioning and overfunctioning show up in a relationship? And you know, how does it crack that that container? So with overfunctioning, how does that how has that shown up in your relationships? So if not a lot in this one and your previous ones. 
like how you're interviewing me right now. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm being interviewed. That's what the people want. <laughs> um, all right. So for me, mm. overfunctioning is a way to protect myself, right? So um, there's this kind of underlying belief that a lot of overfunctioners have, which is like, I'm the only one capable of doing this. And so rather than risk it not getting done, rather than risk disappointment, rather than risk um, failure, you know, the sky falling, I'm just going to do it myself. And that can go for, I mean, that's even like emotional labor. It doesn't necessarily mean like over-functioning, like I'm constantly running around doing the housework. I mean, it's, it's a lot of times shows up more in the, in the emotional labor yeah. um, than anything else. I, I think people assume when you say over-functioning, they're thinking tasks uh, which can which be the it case. can also be the case, right? right? But imagine over-functioning in an emotional sense and what that yeah, looks yeah. like, right? Right. And then under-functioning, um, the story that I always tell is when I, uh, after my divorce, I moved in with someone I met on Craigslist and um, I decided to do the dishes and I put the regular, I just put regular like Dawn, regular the, uh, detergent in the dishwasher and he came home and the whole place was flooded with soap and... Uh, that's an example of underfunctioning because um, I didn't at 36 years old I didn't know how to run the dishwasher and that blows my mind. When yeah, you say that. and so she might have started when she was 12, but you younger. know what? I grew Much up younger. where um, my mom did the laundry for me, and yeah. um, uh, you know, food was a phone call away to her bringing home um, whatever uh, you know um, uh, uh, eatery that we had at the time, right? The family business, so. I love this comment. So on point with, uh, with love, uh, Heba or Heba says I overfunction in every way until I underfunction her until I underfunction. Same. Oh, so you go over until you notice and then you go under. No, it's not until you notice. It's until you hit a wall. It's until you burn out. It's yeah. until you get to the point of like complete overwhelm and like resentment and like fuck yous to everybody. And then you swing the opposite direction and you go like this and you're like, fuck off. I'm not doing anything like that happens a lot with overfunctioners. So here's what's important. Um, you know, whether you're the under functioner or over functioner, doesn't matter. What's important is that. Uh, you are both aware of this and you guys are talking about it because what can happen is the over-functioner can realize what they do and decide, fuck, I'm not doing this anymore, yeah. right? And especially if not telling their partner, now you have someone drifting, growing, evolving, and um, that relationship dynamic is going to change. Or you have an under-functioner who is done being taken care of and decides, okay, here's you know how I'm going to grow. Yeah. And if I don't communicate that to my partner, the dynamic of the, the relationship changes. It's almost like how um, friendships uh, – how we outgrow our friends, mm -hmm. you know, without the announcement. And because so you're not talking about it. You're not talking about it. Yeah. So with the overfunctioner and the underfunctioner, you have to talk about it so two people can grow, evolve together. And so as the dynamic of the relationship changes, it's actually powerful and beautiful and people are still holding hands and they're growing together as a unit mm -hmm. instead of one person growing away, drifting, and then the legs of the relationship um Get swiped like uh, like uh, Danielson, Danielson and Karate Kid. That's too old of a reference for me. I barely, he got his legs, I barely he got remember his, Karate Kid. He got his legs swiped in the movie. <laughs> um, so, Jotishna says, "How do you not expect anything in return when you're an overfunctioner?" So, Jotishna, join the Tat Lab and take my codependency classes with me. <laughs> uh, yes, and um, join our book club and the book club. But but for sure, join the Tat Club so we can work one. To, we can work together on this codependency stuff. Because here's what I will say: Something... and get my text, go to her retreats, buy our <laughs> All books. Of our stuff. We'll look, we'll figure this shit out together. Here's why I say this: because um, 
I have learned and I've had to accept the, the harsh reality that in, and this is not anything against under functioners. It's just the kind of reality that under and over functioning shows up in relationships. When you want to break that cycle and that dynamic, nine out of 10 times, I'm making that up. That's not like a, a relevant statistic. Don't quote me on that, but let's say nine out of 10 times, it actually has to be the over functioner that has to break the habits first. And the reason why, not always, that's why I say there's one out of 10 times it doesn't happen that way because the under functioner tends to exist in a place of under functioning because of a deep seated belief that they really cannot do it, right? They cannot um, function for themselves. They cannot bring that to the table. They cannot, right? And so it's the over functioner that actually keeps them in that place. So it is the over functioner's responsibility to stop over functioning. Mm. You cannot expect anything from the other person when you are doing it all for them. That's your resentment to hold. That's not on them. Just stop. And listen, I know I'm saying that like well, it's Well, just easy. try to stop and work on that because the idea of just stopping, that's that's hard to do. Right? It is hard to do. Breaking you got to be, you gotta be aware of it. But I say that really like kind of hardcore because I think so many over-functioners come into um, work around that conversation. Like, yeah, but they won't do this. Yeah, but they, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And so often with over-functioners, it's like, I got to like slap them in the face and be like, you are the one that are keep, keeping this pattern going. Like yeah. you have more control than you realize in allowing your partner to step up and truly believe in themselves that they can step up. So, I don't know, I feel very strongly about this, clearly. <laughs> yeah, um, so you know, all these topics are just doors into uh, deeper conversations. And so if this is something that you haven't explored, uh, look into it. Who's the over-functioner in the relationship? Who's the under-functioner? Yeah. How is that impacting the relationship? What needs to change? Um, for that to no longer be an issue, or it may not even be an issue. I don't know. I don't know uh, with us how much that is an issue. Uh, so obviously, anymore. She, yeah, I anymore. Mean, I mean, we 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 come from um, those roots, but I don't really think today in our relationship there. I don't think I underfunction enough, and I don't think you overfunction enough for it to be. Um, a huge problem, um, but of course it's still there, right? There, there's still a, a remnant of yeah, it. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I also think that not always, but sometimes too. If I'm if I'm on this rant about overfunctioners, um, one of the ways that we also overfunction is by not letting the underfunctioner in on our overfunctioning. So it's it it what happens sometimes is like even when I when I slip up and I'm not paying attention to my tendencies. I still overfunctioned all high hell. It's just that I also struggle on top of that with communicating when I feel like I'm overfunctioning. And so then I get myself into my resentment loop and I've really got to check my shit and then I've got to pull back, right? And so I don't know if this is the case, but it might be because I'm so aware of it, I'm actually kind of constantly checking myself in that um, in that unhealthy dynamic. It also helps that my best friend is also help with, you know, able to check me on that dynamic. Um, so I feel like maybe it's almost like a solo, no, it's not that a solo journey, you're on this journey with me too, but I get to that place so easily all on my own that sometimes it's a bit of a solo journey for me to check myself on my shit and be like, stop it, yeah. like enough. You know yeah. what I mean? <clears throat> we have about 20 minutes to have a quickie before we pick up our daughter. So oh we're, gonna, um, we're gonna end it here because <laughs> it's uh, important. And when you have children, everything is scheduled. And uh, yeah, so... Uh, that's important.
All right, join us for the book club, and we will be here live um, every Monday, or as many Mondays as we can. Well, until uh, the book club starts, because the book club is going to be actually at this time. Yeah, and so, uh, so we'll, we'll pick another time yep, to do our lives. And we'll go through the, uh, the topics. Be well. Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordeaux, Lumia Coach Training. And it's amazing. It's 100% live and online, meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, ICF accredited to with 20 diverse instructors in a thriving alumni community. Go to theangrytherapist.com and click on Become a Coach and explore Lumia Coach Training. I'll see you in class.